My message today is titled, Where is God Going? And uh, that implies two things. First, where is God going to? Second, uh, why isn't God staying here? Where is God going? In Luke's gospel, he tells us Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit after his baptism in the Jordan. And then the Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted. Uh, and now Jesus returns to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. So proclaimed by John the baptizer, victorious over the devil, returning in power, spirit, 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 triumph, triumph, triumph. Uh, he goes to his hometown synagogue and he reads the scripture about the fullness of the Spirit's power. Good news that releases captives, removes blindness, and frees the oppressed. Um, yeah, the time of God's favor has come. He hands the scroll back. All eyes are fixed in him. He says, the scripture you just heard is fulfilled today. And if we haven't read this story before, we're probably prepared for another triumph. Fullness, Spirit triumph. Then we read, then all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Then the story takes a dark turn. It seems like Jesus suddenly gets rude with them. Um, he basically says, you're not going to see these miracles here. Uh-uh. You don't accept me. God's going to send me to the people you hate the most. The widow of Zarephath lived in Sidon. In Jesus' day, they were the wealthy coastal elites. They would buy the crops of the inland people, like in Nazareth, for less than what the farmers deserved. And Naaman the Syrian, he was just one in a long line of imperial commanders uh, down to Roman times. Just four miles away, a couple days a couple decades earlier, in the town of Sepphoris, uh, Rome destroyed the city because they were crushing an uprising. There may have been family members there. So memories are fresh. Someone in the congregation may well have said, my cousin lost his farm to those people in Sidon. My uncle in Sepphoris lost his life for defending his family. They nailed him to a tree as he suffocated and bled out. Roadkill has more dignity and death. Now you tell us God is going to those people and not us. We've been faithful. How dare you disrespect us and our families? You don't deserve to live. The story doesn't read like a triumph after all. It sounds like a tragedy. But if we rewind a bit, we find out that Jesus may not have been out of line at all. It looks like Luke already gave us hints of the Nazarene behavior. First, here's how the ESV reads Luke 4.22. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? That's, that's how most commentators translate it. And it, it makes sense based on the context, but some of those key Greek words could be translated in a different way. We can also read this passage as all bore witness against him and were annoyed at his eloquent speech. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. So 
Jesus was responding to how they responded to the fullness of the Spirit in him. The tragedy of this story is that the Nazarenes needed the release from captivity and freedom from oppression, but they couldn't receive God because they couldn't perceive God in their midst. Jesus then said that God has a history of reaching those outside the community, and he put his finger on the outsiders of their day. So most of us here are Gentiles, so we are those outsiders. Uh, God reached out to us through Jesus and brought in. We're not, we're not as poor and oppressed and in danger of getting crucified, and uh, I'm guessing like me, you probably can't relate to wanting to kill your preacher. And uh, if you can, I'm in trouble. And so is Father Henry and Father Jonathan, rip over here. But we do have outsiders. And on a weekly basis, just the patterns of our lives naturally create boundaries of those who are in our circle of interaction and those who are out. Sometimes the outsiders are uh, those people. And more often they're just those we don't think about. So what can we take away from this tragic story? First, where is God already working in our midst, in our families, friends, congregation, and we simply just meet eyes to see it? They're already in our group, but we don't know what to do with them. You might have a family member who never seems to change and you've worn yourself out by praying for them. May God give us eyes to see what he's doing in their lives already. Maybe it's a fellow parishioner or friend who just doesn't seem to get it. <laughs> May God show us where he's working there too. God is working here. We've seen him. Like the Nazarenes, it would be a tragedy if we didn't. And next, where is God already working outside our community? Who is your widow of Zarephath, the overlooked outsider? Simply just not part of our rhythm of life, right? I can easily live my entire life without associating with anyone of a lower socioeconomic class. I'll be honest. Food delivery, leave it at the door. Car wash, I'll stay in here where it's dry and listen to my Jesus podcast. But this passage calls me to go outside my borders. I was studying this passage a couple weekends ago and I needed to get a haircut and I could have just gone right around the corner. I could have walked there, but because I was studying this passage, it called me to go outside my rhythm of life. So I went down uh, La Mesa Road to New Barber. It's one you've gone to, right? The guy who cut my hair uh, spoke only Spanish, but he gave me a great haircut. Look, I'm not, I'm not a hero. I just, uh, I see in this passage that by following Jesus means embracing all humanity, especially those outside our patterns of life. Also, who's your name in the Syrian? This is the oppressive outsider. The person, they're so high up on the totem pole, they couldn't be bothered to look at us plebeians by their feet. Um, I'm thankful that I met some wealthy people here who astonished me with their tenderness and humility, truly. But there are People who are bosses overburdening their laborers or barely paying them, or prosperous politicians and pundits who play with us like pawns, making us hotheads with their hot button issues so we fight each other while they gain and maintain power. I'm angry at these injustices, and rightfully so, but God goes to those people too. So, where is God going? Let's let this tragedy instruct us. Where have we overlooked God working in our midst? Where is God going beyond our borders? Who's your widow of Zarephath, the overlooked outsider? Who's your name in the Assyrian, the oppressive outsider? Where is God here and where is God going? And are we going with him? Let's pray.